0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Formation Podcast. It's episode number 42. We're back. The Premier League is also back and we're here to look ahead to the weekend's action while also giving our initial thoughts on a few teams that we saw last weekend on the opening weekend. Um, But first of all, there's an elephant in the room that we need to address. Um, Those watching on YouTube. have probably already noticed that there are only three of us on this call we're we're called the formation um and with three people it 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 doesn't quite work um harry is away on holiday for a few days so we hope he enjoys that um we have planned to get another person on to make sure that we continue to live up to our name um we haven't managed to do that that's not anyone's fault really We're, we're probably All at fault in that we left it a little bit late in terms of scheduling when we were going to do this, Um, and we wanted to make sure that you know it it went out before the weekend. So we're going with just the three of us for this one. We'll see how it works. Like I said, ideally we we would have got a guest on, but I'm I'm sure it'll be fine. We're going to give it a go, aren't we? Um, Anyway, I already mentioned that the first weekend in the Premier League is done. Um, I saw several journalists and pundits suggesting that it was maybe the most entertaining opening weekend in the top flight for a few years. Sam, is is that something you'd be inclined to agree with?
1: Yeah, there's some very entertaining games, a few shocks, obviously Man City dropping points on the opening day, United blowing away Leeds, Liverpool, Chelsea also looking strong, so it looks... It's only the first day obviously so we can't take too much from it but it looks to be setting up to be quite a quite a close title race with quite a few teams involved.
0: Yeah, absolutely it does and I, I think the opening day is always one of those where people are hesitant to look at the table. I always think Gary Lineker every single year on Match of the Day gets to the end of the show and goes, it doesn't mean anything, but we're going to show you it anyway. Um, but, yeah, 37 games to go, so a long way to go and certainly a good a good thing for my team. Devon, um, was there a performance by one team in particular that maybe impressed you the most? Have you got one in mind?
2: Um I think Chelsea were rather dominant and it just seems like they just continued from last season um with uh Tuchel's, um influence. But I was I was impressed with probably you've got to go with the first game of the season, Brentford. Um especially that their first half performance, uh, obviously going ahead, but they took uh Arsenal Arsenal were two plus. I think we'll get into it a little bit, but um, they really took the game to Arsenal, got that first goal consolidated and then got the second one in the second half when Arsenal were putting a bit of pressure on.
0: Yeah, I think we certainly will get on to talk about both of those teams in pretty different lights, I would expect. Um, but before we do that and start to look ahead to some of the fixtures coming up... Um, we thought we'd update you on our FPL league because the formation Invitational is back for a second season after game week one, sitting at the top of the league is somebody called Kunaguero. Um, so it's, it's great to know that we have the Man City legend as a listener. Um, I, I think it said that the player is from Nigeria. So maybe, maybe we, we've stretched as far as Africa, which is exciting has, to be has
1: fair. Has both Fernandez and Salah, I imagine,
0: yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I think I think they had the triple captainship on Salah oh, as well, which, you know... Was, big points. Maybe may, may a good time to play. It was a gamble, but it certainly paid off. He finished on 117 points. Um, so we'll see if he can retain his lead this weekend. Um, the code to join the league is KMG5EU. That'll be in the description below. Um, we've also got a head-to-head league this season, which we came up with the idea the night before the season. Um, That's between the four of us on the pod. Um, I think Harry was the highest scorer between the four of us last week. He beat Sam in their head-to-head and then I managed to beat Devon. But as as we've said, as we've said for the actual Premier League, it's a long season. So, you know... know. I've I've already made
2: the mistakes of last year, I... uh... I I completely forgot about the captain side of it. And then when I looked, my captain was Kane and my vice captain was Emmy Martinez. So <laughs> I just didn't have yeah. a good one.
0: Yeah, I do, think, um, I do think the captaincy is pretty pivotal, isn't it? Which I, I think can ruin it sometimes because you can have a, a pretty good week with several players scoring. But if you've got your captaincy on a player who does nothing, then you're struggling i don't know it, it, it's difficult but we'll try and is keep that, you up go on dev is that,
2: is that what they tell you on the fpl podcast you listen to <laughs> or, is, or is that from
0: tobe no i i of course i only listen to one podcast and that is this one um no i yeah <laughs> that that is that is what the experts tend to say um we will try and keep you updated on how this goes on most weeks, um, and hopefully we're able to keep updating our teams because if not, then it could go pear-shaped. But anyway, on with the main bulk of the podcast. Um, So we've got the second round of Premier League fixtures this coming weekend. And before we did this, we've kind of picked out the games that we think stand out as some storylines to come out of it. But obviously, as we go through these, we want to look back at what went on last weekend too, because that's kind of all that we've got to go on. Um, The first one that I've got written down on my list of games for this weekend um, is Crystal Palace against Brentford. Um, The reason for that is because it'll be Patrick Vieira's first home game as the manager of Palace. Um, And they didn't enjoy the opening weekend very much. Devon already mentioned they were beaten by Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Um, But I think Sam, it's fair to say that they've probably been eyeing this game up as the first one where they could realistically get some points on the board. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, you'd imagine so, considering the ambitions Chelsea had this season and how good they've looked already. But it was was definitely a poor start. A lot of change has gone on at Palace, as we mentioned in our Premier League preview video in the managerial sense and in the team sense. Nine first-teamers left the club over the summer. Um, but they brought in some decent players. Mark Gay played, obviously, against his old team, but it was a disappointing start. They obviously didn't expect to win in Chelsea, like you say, but they'll definitely be eyeing up this one against Brentford at home at Selhurst Park in front of their fans again uh, against Brentford, obviously a newly promoted side. But like Devin mentioned earlier, they had a very strong start against Arsenal, so it's certainly not a gimme. Um, I think it's going to take a long time for Palace to sort of get, get, their, fi- get their feet under the table a little bit with the area in charge. He said that after the game, it might take a while to implement some of his ideas. Such a, a radical change of playing style from Roy Hodgson, who was, was obviously a lot safer, a lot less expansive as we saw Palace try to be against Chelsea, but didn't work out in the end. But like you say, be, they'll be looking to get three points in this one if they want to stay in the league at least.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I had a little look at their fixtures after this one, um, before we started recording, and they look pretty tough, to be honest. They've got West Ham, Tottenham, then Liverpool, and then after that, they play their bitter rivals, Brighton. So, there might be a little bit of pressure on this one, maybe, Dev.
2: Yeah, um, it certainly do... Um, <coughs> sorry, it'll certainly do Vieira the the world of good, obviously, the last time Palace went for a For a style change, and it didn't work out for Frank de Boer and Vieira would probably have that in the back of his mind, thinking if I if I get through these games without any points, I'm going to be facing the chop early, and maybe Palace will uh, will go straight back to a a reserved manager, and maybe not um, because of the sort of money they've spent and the gamble they've taken, they might want to stick it out a little bit better. Um, but I think the, the actual the players that they've got now, um, I think they're still one or two away from there. I think they need someone like more of a ball-winning midfielder that's actually going to complement the rest of the side rather than Eugène McCarpers and stuff like that, um, but about well, them type of players anyway. Um, and I think if Palace can ease the pressure off there, um, it'll be really good. But they are coming into a game where Brentford will be higher confidence, the fans are back. Um, and as they showed on Friday night, the occasion did not get to them.
1: Well, he's still yeah, he's still oh, a little bit yeah. unsure clearly, Vier, and what he wants to do, how he wants to set up, considering only one of his new starting new signings started the game, and he also went with a back four for some period of the game and then changed to a back five, considering how poorly they started the first half against Chelsea, not a, a single shot or touch in their box. So He's still a bit unsure. Clearly, he's had the he's had the preseason, but he's not entirely certain on what he wants to do with this Palace side, which he needs to sort out quickly because these games will come thick and fast.
0: Even even having said that, do you think that maybe brings a bit more excitement for Palace fans because it felt like they were very predictable under Hodgson, and I think the fan base were pretty split towards the end in terms of. I think a few of them were ready for this change. So, so the fact that they're trying out these different formations is exciting. Although, obviously, it's a risk too, isn't it?
1: It is exciting, but you've also got to live with the consequences. If it doesn't go well, then they're they're facing a a, a long season ahead of them. So, yeah, like you say, it's 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 very different to what they had under Roy Hodgson. They had great stability under him, but they never really looked like pushing ahead from being a, a bottom half team, and maybe there's more potential with Vieira in charge, but again, they've got to figure it out quickly because the Premier League is not a forgiving league for these sort of things.
0: Absolutely. It isn't. Um, We've mentioned already about Brentford's win over Arsenal, and we're going to come on to probably discuss just how poor Arsenal were, but Devon, Brentford still deserve a lot of credit for how they approached that game. Don't they last week?
2: Yeah. Um, New sides can tend to go really get either get really nervous and and sort of not go with what they know, what they know, uh, and change the style. But I think they shocked Arsenal in actually coming out firing from the blocks. Obviously, Brian and Bueno was um more potent than he normally was in terms of well, than what we've seen in the second half of last season. Um, he just came out, he was running at defense, he was um, you know, his neat touches to get through uh, that left hand side, but they um they they just took the game plan did it perfectly as i've said um got that goal through serge Kanyos. that's you know he's always seemed to have the, the premier league potential however he's it's not really shown that on a consistent basis so it'll be interesting to see if he can kick on um and they, they got in behind well and then once they had that first goal and um, they continued to attack and then as soon as they 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 noticed the uh, the change in momentum um they did sit back a little bit, defend, consolidate. Arsenal had some good chances. I think David Ray had uh, huge questions, especially from us uh, on this podcast, about what his abilities like, but he made some uh, terrific saves. Um, and then, obviously, they, the sucker punch was at the end for the long throw. Poor defending again from Arsenal. It was just a mirror of what we've seen for the last four seasons, maybe. Shocking. Um, and, yeah, great for Brentford in front of a full stadium. Their first, uh, first time they've, had a full uh, stadium, I think, at the community uh, Brentford stadium, but uh, the, it's about that next game because, as we've seen, some some of the new teams have this little bit of excitement at the start, and once that fallout and the newness has worn off, it's how they react and how they go forward. Because if you don't react well, you find yourself back slumping back down to the Championship, like the uh, likes of West Brom and Fulham have in recent years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, their lack of experience, like a Premier League experience, anyway, in their squad worked in this instance because they were, like Devin mentioned already, they were vibrant, skillful, energetic, really physical, flying into challenges, really quick on the counter attack, really swift, in the in really swift in the, in all the phases of play. So there was a lot of lot of enthusiasm in that squad. There's a lot of enthusiasm in their manager, in Thomas Frank. They're a very well-run club, very well run club and they've got some exciting players i did mention in in the preview that they're going to need contributions from their wingers that they've already mentioned sergi canios and then Bwayman, and they've already shown in that game against arsenal that they can play at this level tony didn't score but he's still put in a man of the match performance and really hassled uh, arsenal's back line it was obviously a, a poor debut for ben white Pablo mari had a poor game as well at the back so he really got into them and that was the turning point in the game really how aggressive Brent, Brentford were in the press when Arsenal tried to play out as well so a really impressive start for them and start to the league as a whole
0: and Devon I think it was Gary Neville after the game on Sky was kind of linking Brentford with Leeds when they came up last season in terms of the, the way they were approaching it and it seems as if that's something they're going to be wanting to do all season and it, it feels as if that's the right way to do it would you agree?
2: I think so. I think sometimes you've got to be a bit braver in these situations. And if you do, and in the Premier League, especially with the quality of teams in there, if you do invite pressure, they often take it. Um, I think the situation is different to Leeds. I think Marso Bielsa is, uh, Marcelo Bielsa, sorry, is sorry, um, he's sort of well-respected anyway as a manager. Um, and tactically, he knows what he's doing, um, apart from this opening weekend we'll that. Uh, We'll we'll skip on that. But I think with Thomas Frank for the last two seasons in the Championship, he's shown that vulnerability that Brentford can stagnate during uh, halfway through the season. It was only the last couple of games where he thought, actually, Brentford are going to do this.
0: Yeah, I think that's certainly a valuable point because um, it does feel like they've almost been waiting for this promotion for two or three seasons, doesn't it? I think... They're an unknown quantity,
1: which probably could be an advantage to them over the other two promoted sides. Norwich and Watford have been in the Premier League quite recently, and a lot of their players were—you were in the Premier League last time, are still in the, and still in their squads. So that could be a blessing or a curse in their case. And I guess it'll, we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, and I think um I, I don't want to keep referencing like Gary Neville and Carragher, but I think um you could see that. They were enjoying seeing seeing new players, weren't they, that they don't really have the opportunity to watch. I'm sure they they watch the Championship when they can, but probably not a lot of it. So to see these come up and, like we've already mentioned, just how fresh they look and how determined they look um, to succeed, I, th- I think it is encouraging for them in particular. So they'll definitely be one to watch out for this season. Um, we'll move on then to another new manager um that's Bruno Large who of course has stepped in at Wolves this summer um his first game in charge last week was also away from home they also suffered defeat that was at Leicester so it was probably another game that they weren't really expected to get anything from um but it's his first home game this weekend as Wolves manager and I just want to put this scenario in your head Devin if you just stepped in as Wolves manager how would you feel about in your first home game having to go up against the old guy who all the fans love um, how would you feel if, if if that was your first if that was the first time you're meeting those fans would you feel a bit indifferent about that
2: um <laughs> I think in my head as a manager I'd be like right let's 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 put in a performance which will use it as motivation forget all about that yeah just let's forget about it. and um, it's sort of like um oh, analogy time i had analogy like similar like this for the uh, what we've got planned later but um if, if you if you're going out with a with a girl and she gets really close with the family and then they um and then you're at a party and they end up inviting her it's sort of like getting really mad and you think no focus on me focus on this new this new relationship um but I think (laughs) there's 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 a lot more to come from Wolves in terms of who again we need to learn what Bruno Large is all about um just because the simple fact is that um even from judging from the Leicester game it just looked like they were it it, Trioria with the only sort of impact um, going forward Uh, they were just quick on the counter which we expect from a Wolves side, even Nuno's Wolves side so it will be interesting to see how Nuno comes back and how Wolves sort of adapt to the home, it must be a weird situation because we saw what Nuno, I think some of the fans are a bit aggrieved because they've spent so much time uh, in the last game of the season when they were allowed in, You know, giving all their love to Nuno and actually he's back two games later
0: yeah, I, I have to say, first of all, ex- excellent analogy. We, we might have to pick <laughs> that up and get it on our, all our socials. He loves that. Um, no, but I, I think it's a good point you make at the end there in that fact that Nuno had his kind of goodbye in front of, what was it, 10,000 fans at Molineux last season for that Man United game. I hope for the new guy's sake that, you know, the Wolves fans can can kind of put that aside, maybe give Nuno a, just a little clap at the start, but mainly focus on this guy, Burn Because enemies. They're gonna need they're going to, he's gonna need their support, aren't they?
1: Absolutely. And he's not their manager anymore, and they've got to get used to that. So I think under large he's promised a more attacking approach than we saw for Nuno when he was at Wolves. But the problem for me is where the goals are gonna come from. Obviously, Raul Jimenez on his return against Leicester at a very quiet game. Adama Traore that Devon mentioned, I think he's only scored seven goals in the Premier League at the age of 25 now. A very exciting player, don't get me wrong. He's fun to watch, but his end product leaves a lot to be desired in in a lot of senses. Um, they're very solid at the back with Conor Cody at the centre of that, but I just worry where the goals are going to come from, from Wolves in the end.
0: And it's, I think it's It's, so um, it's unrealistic to expect... Jimenez to come back from the injury that he's had and just switch it on again, isn't it? It's yeah. just not going to happen.
1: No. I mean, a fractured skull, I've I'd no idea what that feels like, but I can't imagine it's very fun and it's, it is going to take a while for him to get back to speed. So, like I say, you just wonder where the goals are going to come from and it's going to be tough again against a Spurs defence that were on great form against Manchester City, the, the best attacking team in the league. So, Interesting to see how they how they counter that.
0: Sorry, Devin, did you have something to add on Triore? Was it
2: Yeah? I was just gonna say you um with, with Triore, loads of people uh, especially like you know when he went with Liverpool and he had that spell scoring against City. Um and they say now oh, good Triore is and all every time someone does that, all I can think about is his time at Villa, his time at Middlesbrough, seeing him against Sheffield Wednesday, where it was quick, it was strong he had no end product at all, he couldn't finish he couldn't cross and he just looked woeful and even now we're still seeing glimpses of that I mean he went through in the first half uh, against Leicester clean for one goal, probably had two, you, you know strikers when they have too long to think about it they, met, they often mess it up but that that should have been a simple finish that or at least hit the target, he just, and he had one in the second half as well which were a bit more difficult but he um, he hit it straight at uh, Castris Michael so I don't think. I think if you shoulder yourself on wanting Traoré to be your main outlet, then you're going to struggle just because he's so one dimensional.
1: Pedro Neto, who they relied on when Jimenez was injured, is is out with an injury as well at the moment as well. So it's going to be tough for them. But like you like you say, though Traoré Dev, it's it's a shame really because he could be a really dangerous, really dangerous player because he's got all the the physical attributes you saw. I think it was against Man City when he scored that double shot. We saw if he can use his pace and his power to and couple it with great finishing, then he can be an extremely dangerous player and he can do that against any side in the league. So hopefully he can you can find that clinical side this season.
0: Yeah, and I, I've also got a feeling that he'll have a bit of a point to prove to Nuno as well, because you think back to last season, Triore spent most of his time on the bench. I, I know in in the two seasons before he he played a more prominent role. And that that was maybe where Wolves kind of flourished a little bit more. But I I think he was kind of left out in the cold a bit last year. So he'll want to show Nuno that he was wrong to leave him out. Um, As for Tottenham then, um, because obviously that's another new manager. Um, Of course it is Nuno. Um, It was really impressive from them last week against City wasn't it and I I don't know where that performance came from because I have to say before the game I was fearing the worst for Spurs but they came up with it and fair play to them Devon.
2: Yeah a big result (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) Um, big (laughs) big result for Spurs uh, especially for the confidence because I think everybody in the Nans had uh, written off before the season start. because I mean I think Spurs fans were fearing the worst for the season, not just Man City. and You don't want a heavy defeat on the first opening day because um, it can it can really spiral your plans and you can overthink things. But um, for Spurs to go out there, beat Manchester City without Harry Kane is just a big relief, I think, for a lot of people. And it might even give City the incentive to go and say, you know what? Is, is that $160 million to get it out of um, Spurs. And I think um, until that saga's put to rest, I think it's just going to keep going on and unsettle Spurs. So it was, it was good to see that um, Spurs could put that behind them and the rest of the team says, you know what, we're not just a one-man team. Um, we've still got Son, who's pretty much going to be, uh, it feels like, well, Nuno, it might be, maybe the ex is with Son now and Triora is the one that's, Actually <laughs> what well, the one that's uh, jealous. But um I think Nuno will thrive um with this sort of confidence from the opening game and then going to Molyneux where he'll probably will get some love. I think it'll just carry on
0: going. Yeah, yeah that really was um that really was Sonny's Sonny's game last week, wasn't it? Sorry, Sam, go on.
1: Yeah, I didn't manage to catch the full game, but just from the highlights, you could tell what City's game plan was and that was to overload the left-hand side with Grealish, Sterling, Mendy. So what game for Tanganga at right-back? I don't think he's played there for Spurs before. I think he's played mainly at centre-back when he has played. just 22 years old, coming off a few injuries. It looked like he was going to be loaned out this season, but with the performance he put in there, it looks like he'll be in, in Nuno's plans going forward. So you have to commend what he was able to do countering all those players, the hundred million pounds, Jack Grealish especially.
0: Yeah, I think what impressed a lot of people with Tanganga was um he, he didn't have any fear in terms of just fouling someone if if it was needed to happen, if if it needed to happen, because I think it was midway through the first half, and they showed a graphic on screen which was fouls made, and Tanganga was on four, and all the other players were only on one, and there was a question: should he have gone into the book for persistent fouling? But I think the offences he was com- he was committing, it wasn't like they were dirty challenges or anything like that, but he was just in there to make the interception and you know just take a player out when it was needed and I think it's kind of, there are some players maybe nowadays who don't do that enough and don't get stuck in enough and I think that's all that the Spurs fans really wanted to see what did you think of that Devin?
2: I think it's needed I mean the game's lost a lot of physical contact over the years and, and with VAR from last season uh, which I think if we mention any sort of Things that we had of the weekend, I think VAR's actual step back and less inclusion was was a big benefit uh, beneficiary of the, see, uh, the opening week because having that human uh, human error element in there really benefited a lot of the matches. But uh, we're not here to talk about VAR currently. <clears throat> the uh, Tanganga, was, we don't need. <laughs> <to. laughs> yeah, ta- Tanganga was uh, was very very good, um, and I think even when we when he first came through. I did. I think he showed that fearless, uh, fearlessness at the start, and I think it's good that he's setting really a good example to the rest of the defenders. Because that's that's the biggest question we've had about Spurs is where are the centre half parents? Because um, with, when you lose someone as experienced as all the Vireld and Vertonghen, you're obviously going to have a, a big. Um, someone needs to fill that role, um, and whether it is uh, Sanchez, or he can step up, I'm not sure, but. Um, City just seem to get more and more frustrated, and we've seen that when it doesn't work for City, they can, they'll, they'll. It there's a fine line with City. If they are frustrated, and it's what the opposition does, because a lot of teams like you know Crystal Palace or Watford would just give still give City that respect and let them continue doing it until it works, but. Tottenham they said right we're going to frustrate them but then we're going to take advantage and we know what, what Tottenham are uh, like on the counter they've done it for the last three seasons now so um, they just punished him. what a goal from Son I think it was just lovely it, it, it was so simple I mean but just the, the amount of curve on the floor as well and uh, as a goalkeeper when I first saw it you're thinking you've got to probably should have tipped that wide or got down to it but actually when you look at other angles it's just so uh, well hit that it, it was brilliant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. To to score from the position where he picked the ball up, I, I know Sonny is just the king of like the counter attack. But yeah, to, to to get to goal from where he was, uh, I think yeah. was really impressive.
1: That's the thing with were Spurs, their team, that front three, especially that they played against City of Son Bergwijn and Lucas Moura, certainly suits the the counter attacking style. It's just against teams lower down the league. Or maybe sit back a bit, a bit more. I'll be interested to see how Nuno adopts without how he'll break teams down without Harry Kane and the team. What well, he might come back into the team, we don't know what's going to happen there. But be interesting to see. But their their start, their players, the players that they've got definitely suits that counter attacking style, and they can be dangerous in, in the games against the bigger teams that like to push forward a lot more.
0: Yeah, absolutely, a great start for Nuno um, and for Tanganga too. Because. I remember a couple of weeks ago seeing rumours with potentially being loaned out.
1: I think he's going to go to Galatasaray. I think that was pretty close. And then mm. performance like that, he's, he's back in the plans.
0: Very much so. I don't I think he's going to be going anywhere anymore. Um, but that win for Spurs against Man City only made it a worse weekend um, for their North London rivals, Arsenal. Um, we've already hinted at this several times in the last half an hour um but they were so clearly second best in their game against Brentford on Friday evening um and I know Bamiang and Lacazette were both missing through illness but Devon there's still no real excuse for the performance they produced as there. A...
2: no because there's still a lot of them players are in the first team and if um if they weren't play, if they're not good enough they wouldn't be selected for that eleven. Um I, I feel sorry for Balogun because he was he seemed really isolated. Um especially when you know like we know what you get with Smith where he starts to sort of uh, venture towards the right hand side and leaves no one really running in behind. I think with even with that, um the team's not really good enough in terms of I think Arsenal now are a mid table side <laughs> just because that like mid table upwards just because they don't have obviously Abamyang is what well, well was brilliant and probably still is and Lacazette chips in but <clears throat> we just, we're just just seeing the same problems from Arsenal and it's it seems just a lack of urgency to sort of fill that in because we said about defenders and their defence they brought in Ben White who is a fantastic player but. I think he's only really a fantastic player when he's got somebody that is more of a Lewis Dunk slash Liam Cooper figure, someone that, because Ben White's not great in the air, then two players, the player next to him has to be sort of the guy that wins the headers, is aggressive, wins the ball back, makes the challenges, and then Ben White's the the player that really plays it. And I'd rather, if Arsenal are going to play like that, we, we sort of, uh, Mario, Gabriel next to him. I'd rather see Ben White step into sort of a central defense, uh, defensive midfield role and be more of a ball player there, than can drop because he, he just got bullied didn't he And he, <laughs> Tony really picked his pocket a, a few times there. But I just, I just don't, I don't know what to say with Arsenal. Like the the areas there and, and Ramsdale coming in it's it's just like it's like they just don't know what they want to do with this Arsenal squad.
0: Yeah, the, the signings coming in are certainly interesting. Just on White, before we move on, is there not an argument to say that every defender who's playing, you know, as a centre back should be capable of winning headers? And, you know, yeah. isn't, the, it's that, a that's min- just the basis. You know, I take your, point that he's, oh, yeah, yeah. take your point that he's not maybe the most physical, but he still should be able to do that for Nobody 50 million quid.
1: Nobody is in this Arsenal team, George. And the game plan to beat them is way too obvious. Just get in their faces, be physical, be intense like Brentford were. That back line that Ben White, Pablo Mari, Callum Chambers. I thought Smith Rowe and Tierney linked up well on the on the left on some occasions. They looked the bright spark, but they're just it's been a recurring problem with Arsenal these last ten years. They're just not. They don't have the fight. They don't have the backbone. They don't have the physicality in their team when they're under under the cosh. They don't have a, a plan B necessarily to fight back and show their own mental strength. And even with Lacazette and Aubameyang in this team, I think they would have struggled because, because of the pressure that Brentford were applying on the defenders as they tried to come out with the ball.
0: Yeah, I have to say, I I almost felt pretty jealous of Brentford and their opening day fixture when we went that, and played liverpool on saturday because i feel like if we had been presented with that i think we could have made a better start i, I know we'll play them eventually i, I just think that, it was it was kind of a, a nice start for them maybe that second that's...
1: goal that second goal may want to tear my hair out like you can't let what is leno doing like you cannot let the ball bounce in the box from a corner and just let it go and challenge like that it's just it's just weak. There's no, there's no other word to describe it. And he was looking for a foul from Janssen but he wasn't doing much. He was just stood in front of him.
0: Yeah, and Ramsdale, as you said, there, Devon, on his way in. Do, you, do you think he's kind of? Do you think he's capable of, um, maybe pushing Leno out of the team and taking that number one shirt? How do you see that playing out?
2: That's what you've discussed. I think it's just going to turn into a, um, a Man United situation where they've got De Gea, they've got. Henderson and they sort of just they don't know which one they want to pick and I think we'll see a, we'll see a spell of Ramsdale then we'll probably see a spell of Leno and it's I I, I think it's in terms of long term it's a bit of a gamble but it could pay off just because he's got that time to develop and I think the more mentality side of Ramsdale needs to be worked on because he, he does make some fantastic saves um he did at Sheffield United last year but he is very prone to uh, to some glaring errors, and I, I think as soon as he improves on that side, it'll it'll be okay. But I don't think it's a massive improvement on Leno.
0: So Arsenal had a very difficult start to the season last week, and it could get even worse for them this weekend. Um, maybe I'm preempting it by saying that, um, but they are playing Chelsea at the Emirates on Sunday. Um, Sam, do you feel? Do you fear? for Ben White going up against new signing Romelu Lukaku?
1: Fear is is an understatement, really, because especially considering the way Chelsea played against Palace, a lot of their players, a lot of their key players still out. Like you mentioned, Lukaku still has to come in and he's just a different beast altogether to what they had previously. Um, Kante, Ziyech, it started on the bench, showed Tiago Silva. So they've still got so many players to come in. Their squad depth this season is why... A lot of people are tipping them to do, do big things this season. So, I mean, if he struggled against Ivan Tony, no disrespect to Tony, but if Benoit struggled against him, then he's going to have a hell of a time against Romelu Lukaku, who's one of the most physical forwards in the game at the moment. So, it's going to be very tough for him.
0: Evan, do you think they will throw Lukaku straight into the mix? Obviously, we're, we don't We're not quite sure on his fitness levels, but he'll be ready for a game like that, won't he, a London derby?
2: He's a big-time player, isn't he? He's just such an important player for Chelsea. Well, he will be an important player for Chelsea, sorry. Um, I think Lukaku, looking at the situation, in terms of Chelsea forwards, you'd you'd probably want to put Lukaku in front of that back line anyway, just because I think Havertz is a little bit more tidy, where actually... They need somebody that's going to be like a bit like a battering ram. They're going to get up against the defender, and especially if they go on Ben White, and we've already talked about the lack of cojones in that back line. Um, so it, you get Lukaku against either of the centre-halves. He's going to have a field day, and I think it's as long as... Because we know Arsenal, they've had a couple of good results against Chelsea in the past, and, and, and they've had some couple of shockers as well. But they've just... If Arsenal turn it on, it's one of these games that they could win. But I just don't can't see that at all. Even if they, even if they put out the strongest 11 with we'd party back in there, and and Aubameyang and Lacazette back. Obviously, I know there's injuries, but from the side that played against Brentford, you just expect Chelsea to steamroll them.
1: You yeah, I hope that Emirates crowd is up for it, and still have a bit of. Obviously, it was a disappointing defeat against Brentford, but luckily. Again, like this is coming on early in the season and not in December when they're, I don't know, in 10th or something and they're on a very poor run. So hopefully the new season bounce is still there amongst the, the home support and that can spur them on a little bit to be a bit more competitive.
0: Worth mentioning as well. Go on,
2: Dave. I was just going to say Arsenal, Arsenal fans don't help situations at Arsenal. It's, there, there, there is a tendency to blow things massively out of proportion. And I know we've just spent the last couple of minutes, and then the Brentford game, talking about how bad Arsenal were. But even now, they just want they want rid of Arteta already. And there's always, you know, it's it's a bit like just just too much negativity, and you think they just need to realise what's happening. And there's 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 going to be another couple of years like this.
0: Yeah, although I think negativity is. Pretty set into that club by this point, to be honest. As as sad as that is, um, I think it, it might be worth mentioning as well. Um, Arsenal have got a good recent record against Chelsea. They've won their last three. Did the double over them last season, and obviously won the FA Cup final against them just before that. Um, so that is is that maybe something to to take with them, or does it not really mean a lot in the grand scheme of things?
1: I don't know. Considering how Chelsea performed, like I say, the players, they've still got to come in, like I say. And Mason Mount, who's a key player, has been a key player for them for a while now. Had a brilliant game against Palace. Trevor Chalobah, what a debut he had with that brilliant goal. So there's so much to worry about for Arsenal from a Chelsea standpoint on both ends of the field. It's, it'll, be, it'll be classed as a shock if they win this game for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely, it will. Um, That should be an entertaining one on Super Sunday. I have to say, I'm a bit disappointed that Wolves Tottenham isn't going to be televised. It's taken place on Sunday, but I I don't think it's televised anywhere in the UK. Um, But that should be a good watch just for the people in the stadium. I'm sure Ed Hagee and the like are buzzing for that one. Um, And uh, I'm sure that there'll be a vlog on his channel. Um, But we ought to maybe mention some other teams um who we were impressed by last week devon are, are there any that you would particularly like to pick out
2: yeah i think uh, i think west ham looked really really good um sort of even though they've lost uh, Jesse lingard after his loan spell they still look really good going forward and i think ben ramo were very important to that um, and i think he'll have sort of a breakthrough year after a year of real not really, not um, featuring too much. Um, but I think now he's properly settled in. I think he'll be more important player. Um, hopefully, in terms of my fantasy team as well. Um, after getting me some good points this weekend. But I think I just think the attacking side to West Ham—they're starting to be really entertaining to watch. Um, the they was very relaxed on the defending side as we saw. But this four goals opening game of the season—you can't go wrong. It's been goals, goals, goals this weekend, hasn't it? And also. Uh, we loved him at Wednesday. I know Harry would also be echoing the uh, the sort of applause to him for this time at Southampton. But Mikel Antonio becoming uh, West Ham's all time uh, well joint all time record goalscorer in the Premier League era is absolutely brilliant. And um, his sort of rise from coming from non league, then signing with Reading, going a couple of loans, signing for a massive club in Sheffield Wednesday, then going back down to Forest, and then coming to West Ham. It's uh, it's been a good rise for him in a good few years.
0: Yeah, and I think that result and that second half performance in particular kind of showed that if West Ham may be able to strengthen a little bit more in the next couple of weeks, what a good team they could be this season, both in the Premier League and in Europe. So, Sam, with Lingard, do you think that's something which they could maybe push for again? I, I know... The suggestion is that Solskjaer might use him as a backup option, but is that really what he wants to be at this point of his career? Yeah,
1: I think personally for Lingard himself, he should make a move from Manchester United, because like you say, he's going to be a player. If he stays, he's going to play 15 to 20 games in the season and be a play a bit part role. If he goes back to the team like West Ham, he's going to be one of the main players, but Devin alluded to it there. If he doesn't come, Ben Rahm is going to have to step up a little bit because there's debut campaign wasn't the most inspiring to be honest I think he got six assists and one goal in the end which isn't fantastic he's going to have to step up his output a little bit if, if West Ham want to reach the same heights that they that they did last season but yeah really a, a brilliant performance and then ruthless counter-attack in a lot of occasions in that game which probably showed that Newcastle probably need one or two more additions in midfield and a defensive midfielder because I don't think Shelby or Hayden is going to cut it for them really to be honest but Yeah, a a really good performance from them.
0: Absolutely, it was. And Manchester United, we should probably mention them. I'm surprised we've got this far in without mentioning them because they topped the Premier League after the first weekend. I mean, I I know we did say the table doesn't matter. So that's probably ultimately why they haven't been mentioned. Um, But they were missing several players last week, but they still stuck five past Leeds United at Old Trafford. Very convincing from them. Um, Paul Pogba got four assists. Um, get, can he maybe start to perform consistently this year, do you think?
1: More than he did in the entire of last season, if I'm not mistaken. I think he got three last season in total, so it just shows when you get willing runners around him, players that are willing to make those dying runs like Bruno Fernandes and players like that, and he has the time to collect the ball from the fence, turn and then pick his pass because he's just a brilliant passer of the ball. I saw that on a few occasions in that game, then he can be a really dangerous player and a really effective player for Manchester United. And it was also, uh, I think Greenwood's performance was interesting as well. Getting his goal, maybe staking his claim to be the go-to number nine for Manchester United this season, because they haven't brought anyone in, in that area. I know they've got Cavani, but he's getting on a bit. I don't know if he's going to be able to play a full season in that position as the, as the starting man. So maybe Greenwood can be that man because he's a, he's got that raw finishing ability that we've already seen on many occasions in his in his short career.
0: Yeah, absolutely and United head to Southampton this weekend. Um I thought it, it might be worth mentioning Aston Villa as well um as they began life without Jack Grealish with a defeat to Watford. Um Devon, do you maybe worry for Villa slightly or do you think it was simply just a pretty difficult opening fixture against Watford who pretty eager after getting promoted.
2: Well, I think we mentioned in the last one in the Premier League preview that Watford were just so unpredictable. We, we wouldn't know what who would start, who would be the star man and sort of how they would approach this one. And obviously, Cisco's done a fantastic job since he came in and, and completely transformed their their season uh, from they were doing all right in the Championship then actually being one of the front-runners with uh, yourselves, uh, Norwich. um but a few ones like likes of Kuko uh, Hernandez who have uh, been loaned out for the last couple of years coming in, scoring an absolutely belting goal and I think Watford just sort of looked like the side that finished the season with um, with um, Nigel Pearson when they had that resurgence and I think if they play a little bit if they play more uh, like with less fear as we talked about with Brentford I think they've got the players, you know Ismail Assar uh, is, is a fantastic player that can uh, light up any sort of Premier League team in that in that division. And um, obviously, we've got Ben Foster in there. And if, if Walford are playing well, we're going to get more entertaining videos. So we're going to enjoy that even better, uh, I think. But to talk, bring it back to Aston Villa as well, they've got the players in there. They've, they've got, um, obviously, you know, Buendia when he starts uh, linking up. Uh, I think it's really good that even though it we're in the 97th minute, Danny Ings is now off the mark and he could start a spell of a scoring spree. And I think it's just... Um, I think it'll click for Villa, but again, it's going to be a couple of weeks of adjusting to life without Jack Grealish, even though one player shouldn't define a team, but it's hard to have that in because, especially for the fans' aspect, they're going to miss him.
1: It was a disappointing yeah. result for Villa, but it was important that their new signings sped in. And I think things, like you say, getting off the mark, Bailey had a, a big impact when he came on providing the assist for John McGinn and what a well-taken goal that was, yeah. but... first time I think it was it was a brilliant
0: one I'm glad you mentioned that goal that really was a lovely finish Um, they've got a couple of big games coming up Villa Newcastle at home next and then Brentford the week after also at home so you'd expect them to win at least one of those if not both of them Um, we'll probably move on from the Premier League now some games we haven't mentioned which are taking place this weekend Liverpool at home to Burnley um, then we've also got Man City, who didn't get off the mark last weekend. They've got Norwich this weekend. Um, and then West Ham against Leicester on the Monday night, which could be an entertaining game. Let's not get in to talk about that Man City-Norwich game. because you know, I'd, I'd, ra- I'd rather not think about it at this point, to be honest.
2: But, um, um, George, just just before we do, though, what, what were it like being in a full Carrow Road, no restrictions and actual under the lights as well?
0: Yeah, it was um, it was a really a really good night last week, despite the the result, which um, was disappointing. But you know, we kind of knew going into it, having had a pretty um, disrupted pre-season, that it was going to be difficult. But yeah, being back was was brilliant. Um, it was pretty surreal, to be honest, um, when the players when the players walked out before the game, because you kind of looked looked around you and thought, okay, this this really is happening. Um, but no, it was it was really enjoyable. And I, I, I'm looking forward to the Etihad, even if our chances of a result are pretty slim. But, but we, yeah, f- no, no, no. we should see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll move on then just to touch on the championship because, of course, they've been going for one extra week and they've played two more games than the Premier League. Um, and after three rounds of fixtures, there are six teams sitting at the top of the division on seven points. Well, they're not all top of the league, but, you know, they're all they're all on seven points. Um, they are West Brom, Fulham, QPR, Bournemouth, Stoke and Blackburn. Um, I wanted to mention West Brom, who are top of the tree on goal difference, um, because I have to say, when I saw Valerian Ismail go in there, I, I had a few doubts, because while he was... Brilliant at Barnsley last year and transformed them into a playoff team. Um, I, I was thinking, is he going to get his style working at the Hawthorns? Is he going to do it quickly enough? Um, and he absolutely has. Um, at the time we we're recording, it was just last night where they beat Sheffield United 4 0. Yeah, Devon, 4 0. Sorry, the line went off
2: then again. Um, <clears throat> can you just note that?
0: Inc- incredibly. <laughs> they only had 35% possession, but I suppose that is that is his style um, and it's working really well for them, isn't it, Sam?
1: Yeah, it looks like they're going to be a very, very entertaining team to watch this year. they scored a lot of goals. I think it's 15 now from three, so they're, to, they're definitely going to be one to tune in if they're on the telly. So, yeah, like you say, a few question marks. He did do very well with Barnsley last season, Ishmael, but he's still relatively inexperienced in this league, but, you know, he's... He's got a great team that he's inherited there at West Brom, and Alex Mauer had a brilliant game last night against Sheffield United, getting that goal. And he's going to be great for them, making those dying runs from midfield. He's got play, He's got great forwards for that level in, in Robinson and Grant and players like that. You can you can get your goals as we've seen already. So they're going to be a tough team to stop this year in the Championship.
0: Yeah, and Devon, who who else has impressed you at the top of the second tier so far?
2: I think just um, West West Brom are gonna be an exciting side to to watch. Like um, I think, um, especially with, with the like um, <clears throat> with the players that they've got, and, and Sam mentioned about the style. Um, what we'll see is that when you've got a good counter attacking side with good players in that, they are entertaining to watch, and it it also gives them hope that when they go, if well, I said when, because there's still a lot to go. But you'd expect <laughs> West Brom to be going up again. Um, is that when they are in the Premier if they are in the Premier League if they are in the Premier League um, then this sort of style could help them stay up if they were to go up in the Premier League Um, because um, sort of absorbing pressure and hitting them on the counter we saw against uh, Bournemouth who I'm I'm sure we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes Um, they they were just it was a great game that opener Um, mainly because Bournemouth tried to be a bit more elegant a bit more uh, possessive and then West Brom would win the ball high up the field, and then you'd have about four players sprinting into the area, and it was just entertaining to watch. Albeit defenders scoring, but f- phenomenal. Um, and I think he'll just adapt as the season goes
0: on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as for Bournemouth, then you led quite neatly into it. There, um, they've all, they've also had a pretty solid start under Scott Parker. Um, a good win at Forest at the weekend, and then, who was it? They they beat Birmingham last night, didn't they? I, I should have written Correct. that down, but it, it came to mind. Um They've kind of, they've just let Dan Juma go, so they've they got a few new players in the mix. I think Gary Cahill is on his way. They're going to be up there again, aren't they, this year?
1: Yeah, and they didn't even have uh, Brooks against Birmingham last night as well, because he was suspended. And they had a slow start, but they got into it as the game went on, and Parker's possession style like Devin mentioned there seems to be working so far for them and if they can get Solanke in the goals I know he's not been the most prolific over his career if they can get him in the goals and and well yeah get him in the goals and implement Parker's style more as the games go on they'll be a tough team to beat as well
0: Yeah and a big game for them this weekend they've got Blackburn who as I mentioned are one of those teams on seven points so Maybe one of them will lose their first game, or it could be a draw. Who knows? Um, Devon, I know you've been uh, you've been taking a look at Stokes, Stokes Chilean superstar who's gone gone mad over the pond in South America. What what have you got to tell us about him and and Stoke as a whole?
2: Uh, well, stoke is... I uh, don't think we could spend five minutes talking about how bad Stoke is. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> unless we get... <laughs> and please welcome Ben Derber to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, I think Blackburn's star in general, not not talking about Brent Burriton, um, Diaz which we've got I think it's better to say that than just Barrington it sounds like yeah, I, I'm sorry I, I un- just associated bit. him
0: with I just associated him with Stoke I apologise <laughs> he plays for Blackburn doesn't he yeah Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry I I don't know why I made that link for some reason I had it written down that he he's played from, for Stoke yeah
2: because he's, he's he was born in Stoke on Trent I think um, oh, was he
0: really? Okay. Yeah. Right. There we was. go. You've, we Which, we can yeah. cut that bit out. <laughs> no, no,
2: no. Sam, Sam, Sam. <laughs> <beautiful>. <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> That's what you meant all along, George. I know.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this this comedy act that we're starting to bring in to bring it more entertaining is working now, is it? So it's like, like chuckle brothers on it. um No, we've got uh, obviously Blackburn started the season brilliantly, and I wanted to say that. Um, last season they started really well, uh, and towards Christmas time is when it started to roll down the hill massively for for Tony Mowbray, and I think it'll. I think it'll go a similar way. And the the analogy was for me that I said earlier about bringing it to this is this is literally like um you, there uh, a person splits up with a with a missus, and the missus in this would be Adam Armstrong going to Southampton, and. <clears throat> <laughs> is the Blackburn? <laughs> for the Blackburn. Have got a couple of, you know, he's, he's gone out. He's had a couple of nice, you know, bringings back. He's got he's got Ben Brereton there. Two goals in three games already, um, but only got seven goals, four assists last season, taking one point eight shots per game, and um, and he's also got Sam Gallagher there. Eight goals, three games last year. Best return that he's ever had has been eleven, uh, but he's only taking one point two shots per game and. And Black, the, the thing that Blackburn are going to miss is that shots per game thing. And he's, he's sort of enjoying his his spell here, but he's thinking about his ex, Adam Armstrong, taking 4.7 <laughs> shots per game, and he's missing. It, eventually, um, he's having all this fun and Armstrong's gone away now, but eventually he's going to get jealous of what Armstrong's got now in the Premier League because he's already started well. He's got his shots per game up as well, scored a goal already. And I just think that eventually Blackburn will miss. They'll, they'll realise that he's not there, and I think they'll just fall and fall off a cliff and finish uh, 14th. So well, they got like that. yeah,
1: they got a small squad, haven't they? Because of the embargo, but they sort of for these first few games sort of had that siege mentality because they've not they're, they're an unfancy team at the moment. A bit like how Derby have started as well. They've got a small squad but a strong unit clearly, and that's served them well for these. First couple of games, but as we get into really get into the championship season, get into the rigours, get into all those midweek games, I think that's going to take an impact when you have when you don't have the backups, you don't have a deep squad.
0: Yeah, I, I think you might be right on that. Um, I've got written down, reminding me to mention Swansea because they've had a, a summer of big change, and it doesn't really seem to be working for them at the moment. But I think this is kind of something that they maybe should have envisaged with Russell Martin going in. Do you think now is the time to panic or is it really just very early and they need to be patient with him?
1: Well, it's again, a lot of... Tea. It's a team that's experienced a lot of change over the summer, like you say, managerially, with the with Russell Martin who's going to need time and they've lost a lot of big players. Andre Ayew, I think is the main one. He was obviously a quality player for them, quality player for them, quality player for that level, and also a big leader as well, which is really hard to replace. And they have struggled so far, but like you say, Russell Martin's a young manager and he's going to need some time to implement implement his style, I think, and hopefully the Swansea fans are patient with him.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. Um, Devon, then we did mention the West Brom win over Sheffield United. Um, where do you think it's gone wrong for them in the first three? Because they were heavily tipped to be one of those teams pushing for the automatics. Of course, there's loads of time left, but they're still yet to score a goal, aren't they?
2: It just mirrors from what they were doing last season. Because Just because there were games last year where we know the first season in the Premier League where they took it by storm. Um, backed by a, a full Bramall Lane most weeks as well, um, is that th- th- as soon as they lost that and the, the, where their form started to dip in the Premier League is where they got more on the ball, they'd hold ball in, in deeper areas and then try to attack um, through the wings. And I think it's just, it, it, it's you know, like when mentioned about people going insane, it's the same thing over and over again. And I think just checking out it had become stale and, in terms of um, <clears throat> The progression is similar. The way they attack is just the same thing again and again and again. And because they've not got sort of anyone clinical up top, um, that will take that responsibility. Obviously, Billy Schultz probably their most potent goal scorer in terms of that person. That would be the, the end product. But he's getting on. He's coming into the last couple of years now. Um, and I think Sheffield United just need a, a, they need a formation change. They need a style change just because... That they're just going to continue to be mundane and, and struggle struggle to score. And again, to bring it back to their Premier League season, that's what we saw last season. They tried to be a little bit more possessive, and it just didn't work. You just needed that wilder style to be a bit gung ho and and take a risk. And and it's saying that people people are a bit more aware of that, and people know how to defend against it.
1: I think it's just gone a bit stale. There, they're not they're, there's not been a lot of change from from the last Premier League season as well and Jukanovic has tried to implement his style but they've been so used to Wilder's style that they're going to take some time to adapt to it as well and I think that's what we're seeing in these first few games
0: Yeah, and I think Jukanovic will know that he needs to get results there sooner rather than later um, We're kind of around the hour mark now for the pod so if we're ready guys unless we've got anything else to mention on the Championship shall we wrap it up? Yeah, I think we're kind of sorting I'm, I'm getting on the head Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of all we've got time for this week. Um, Enjoy the second weekend. Don't forget to check your FPL team if you're playing before the weekend because you you don't want to get unstuck by that. I need to find a way to get Mo Salah into my team. Um, But, yeah, we will see you next week. Um, We'll probably be back to having four of us on the show next week as well. Um, But thank you very much for watching or listening. See you next time.